I, I really like to give people like an, an opportunity if they if they're not known. You know, I'm I sway more towards working with the unknowns than the established. But I think that decon selection this year, I could just be making this all up. But I think uh, <laughs> you know we we gotta Hey, Toy Family. Welcome to another edition of the Marsham Toy Hour, where we discuss anything and everything designer toys. I'm Teresa Hawkins. I'm Gary Ham. And Gary, I'm leading the charge today. I like it. I like being in the passenger seat. This is fun. (laughs) Oh, it's weird for me, but uh, today's kind of weird in general. George couldn't join, but it's because we're a little outside of our normal routine and doing a weekend record, Mm -hmm. so... Yep. But I know you were also feeling kind of crappy this morning, so I'm glad you're feeling up to uh, joining me. And I feel a little bit better. You know, all week long, the kids have been coughing my food and my face, so I think I finally caught what they've had, so I'm coming down with a cold. But you've done all the prep work. You're more than prepared, so I'm passing the baton to you. Cool. Okay. Well, jump in and join me, though, as we go. So, um, But, yeah, as I said, we're recording on the weekend. It's a Sunday for us, but we're doing it for good reason because, as you mentioned, we have an awesome guest joining us. So uh, let's get right to it. With us today is Dan Willett of Unbox Industries. Uh, Unbox is the production company known for helping bring numerous toys to life in our scene, and they're actually the winner of the 2018 Designer Toy Award for Brand of the Year. Nice. Very happy for them, and we've been wanting to get Dan on for a really long time now, so I'm very excited to have him join us. So welcome, Dan. Hello. Thank you very much for having me and uh, being so patient. Hey, you're a busy guy. We understand. So we've been trying to make this happen for the past couple of years, actually. So finally, it's going to happen. So looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, oh, that's great. I say I, I I do listen from from time to time, and um, I must admit I'm a little bit intimidated after um last week's uh, podcast with Corey and Science Patrol because it was absolutely <laughs> amazing. So I've got I don't know I've got, I've got high standards to live up to. I think it was fun, but we're going to hear awesome stuff from you too. I'm sure. So. Thank you. But and if you don't know Dan, I mean, people love Unbox. So before certain recordings, we'll go out to our stomping ground on Facebook, and a lot of times we'll ask listeners, "Hey, do you have any questions? Things you want to ask? Let us know, and we'll get them in, you know, included on our list of stuff." And instead of getting questions, I was getting stuff like, "Hey, tell Unbox they're killing it. They're my favorite production company, probably number one." <laughs> so- <laughs> wow, oh, that's, that's that's really great and very humbling to hear. Like I say, we just, uh, how can I put it? I think it's the, the customers that kind of make us and, and guide us in what we do. And yeah, we really appreciate it. And we're just kind of overwhelming over the last, um, especially the last couple of years, that the amount of people to get in touch with like positivity and criticism and like guidance and recommendations. Uh, it, it helps us build on the foundation we've laid. So yeah, we're very grateful. Yeah, and well, so I, I definitely want to get into more about how Unbox came to be and stuff, but I'm a little curious first. What is your role specifically at Unbox, Dan? Wow, my goodness, where to begin? Um, I kind of, well, myself and the guys that are Unbox, we, we're pretty much getting where we fit in type of thing. So, I mean, it was originally me that had the concept and started the company, um, but I mean, I do um, like license acquisition and I'm also like on the front end for like customer services. I'll man Instagram. If I'm in Hong Kong from time to time, I'll get on the assembly line, check product, do some QC, 
clean the toilets, make the tea, um, whatever, whatever, need, whatever needs to be done. But everyone that works with them in our box, we, we've got the same kind of mentality. Um, we're a very, very small uh, company. I mean, up until I think around about 2015, there was only three of us. And uh, now in 2018, we, we've got a team of around, I think it's just under 20, about 19 wow. in all. So compared to like, you know, the, the other toy companies out there, I think we're, we're pretty small. So it is a case of like, we all muck in and do the best we can. Now, is it true that you guys didn't plan on starting out to be a toy company? Is initially, weren't you guys originally just supposed to be like a, a prototyping and development company for somebody else at the time? Absolutely right. Um, it's a bit of a long story. Do you want to? I can give you like a cliff note. Quick... Okay. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll try my try my hardest. So, originally started. I guess. I mean, I've always been into like comic books, popular culture, role playing games, spaghetti westerns, horror movies. You you name it. Like from from a kid onwards. And when I was very young, about seventeen years old, I started a comic book shop uh, with the aid of my parents and some some good people around me. From that, basically sold that company not for any real financial gain um, and then moved to London to be my future wife and started working for a, a company called Forbidden Planet. Then from Forbidden Planet, I went to Play Lounge and this is where the, um, yes. the art starts, starts to take a turn towards like the art toys and everything else. So I was with Play Lounge for, for a couple of years and that's kind of laid the foundation of meeting all of the artists from past, present and future and just seeing like how the, the, the business was working, like working under a guy called Aiden who created Play Lounge. So I was with him for a, a few years and then moved from Play Lounge to uh, another company uh, called Cards Inc, who were part of, um, uh, eventually part of another company called Master Replicas. And within that world, um, I kind of took the, the experience and the knowledge and the, the contacts I had at, at Play Lounge and was working with them just kind of just as an account manager. And this is where it gets really crazy. One day, I just chatting to the boss, and we were just discussing like you know, licenses and toys, and they were moving more. They, they were doing like licensed products and manufacturing, and they were deciding to move into toy. We just kind of, you know, come to the conclusion that video game licenses were, were probably something that were uh, kind of like not not really tapped into at that time. So I guess this was around about early 2000s. So this may have been about 2004, 2005. Anyway, my boss at the time went to uh, Nintendo and managed to acquire the master toy license for Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda from Nintendo. At that point, Nintendo had no licensing. um, They were a very, very small licensing team. And the way the licensing process would work with Nintendo at the time was um, you would come up with a concept, you'd send it to Nintendo of America, Nintendo of America would send it to uh, Nintendo Japan. Nintendo Japan if you say if you wanted to make like a, a Mario figure or a Yoshi figure, they would pull in the creative team that worked on that particular iteration of Mario. So the whole approvals procedure was incredibly slow and it was, you know, taking literally months at some point to get a get a response. Mm-hmm. So whilst this was kind of bubbling along, and of course when you sign a license, use those licenses or contracts for a license, they're they're about a two year period. So the guys I was working for, they they were getting really, really anxious to get product out. So then they said look let's try and source product from, from other places. So again, being a geek and having a, a knowledge of what was out there and what was, what was bubbling <laughs> before I, I was kind of, kind of aware of, um, a band Presto making their vinyl figures, but for, for amusement. And, um, I'd also 
was aware of a guy in Australia that had minifigures, uh, had a license for minifigures from, from Arrow Brothers as well at the same time. So I started working with both those parties and like building up a rapport with them. You're still with me? We're right. with you. Hang so, in there. All right, okay. It's a crazy, <laughs> crazy story. Right, so, so from there, the Master Replicas, for some reason, almost overnight went to administration and, and like that was it. It was done. Company was dead. But the guy in Australia who had the many figure license, he kind of reached out to me and he said, "Look, I, I could use you. Can you can you help me? Basically, help me help me align plan and help me come and see Nintendo. And I'm going to try and get the, the master toy license." So I, he flew me out to Hong Kong. We met there, and I started working with him. And uh, um, actually, in between that, okay, I'll rewind a little bit. Whilst this was going on, whilst I was at Cards Inc, I did put out a, a toy, like an art toy, with a friend of mine called uh, Jasper Stank, was the name of the, the figure, okay. under a company, Dan and Dan. And like, found out like the hard way, like the, the ramifications of trying to make a vinyl figure, an art toy, just saved up enough money to, to do that. And this was working with um, with Triclops. I'm sorry, I'm getting everything kind of like backwards now as my memory tanks kick in. Basically had a go at trying to make my own, my own designer toy. And it was really, quite a frightening like process of sending money out to someone you're never going to meet and like interacting on email and then the figure came through and it was, it was you know it was a relief and it was yeah. relatively okay and you know I learned a massive amount on like you know process over there so anyway I apologize I've now jumped back forward so I've made this art toy or designer toy at this point then got the invitation to go to Hong Kong and started working with this guy on, on minifigures and he introduced me to his project manager who's a guy from Hong Kong born and raised like, like a lot older than me and essentially um it's kind of like mentored by him the guy from Australia I'd go out and meet him and uh we, we you know we managed to help him acquire the, the master toy license for Nintendo and he made a ton of money and I was never given a salary but he gave me um basically gave me the rights to distribute the his Nintendo products and the stuff I sourced from Band Presto into Europe nice um, and so based off that as well, I managed to get a small license for stationery and, and luggage and all these things and had no manufacturing experience. So that was a miracle getting, getting that license and set up a distribution network with guys that I used to work with. So again, with, with absolutely no money, just reached out to people. Um, and then, and, uh, they set up their own distribution network in, in Europe because I knew that to move volume, I needed, I needed help. Then another friend of mine, uh, she very kindly lent me enough money to buy one um, one container of minifigures, and we started shipping that in. And now, so with that cash flow, I started flying back and forth from Hong Kong to see this Australian guy, but also to hang out with Daniel. And when you meet people in the toy industry, or the people I've met, I'm generalising, but um, it's more about the money. And I was kind of like definitely like the, the, the freak that was out there because I was really into the product and the process and the creativity. And, you know, they go to the factory, break bread, make a deal, get the best price they can. <laughs> and then they go go party, drinking, whatever else, which I've, I've never really been into. So for me, it was more a, a case of like I'd hang out with the factory guys and then I'd go out with Daniel when these guys, the Australian guys, weren't around and go and see manufacturing, go to the, the tooling studios or um go and see that the, the wax model guys or you know prototype houses and daniel was he'd been in the game for like a long long time like i think like one of the first guys in hong kong 
he originally started in die cast and then he was working like in plastics he would kind of like impart the knowledge of like you know the manufacturing the history of the toy manufacturing in hong kong then when it moved into china um and he knew loads of people so i'd be like this european guy that would just roll into the factories with him basically him like you know just shooting a breeze with old mates and just looking at projects and you know there's always this culture of like helping one another out i mean there's an edge of competition but people work together out there to get get a job done and i can't understand and i still can't understand chinese um but i would just sit and just listen and watch and get the measure of what's going on and we'll kind of get an idea of what's been discussed. And then Daniel would kind of say to me, right, this and this was discussed today. And, you know, you've, you've seen this and this is this process and you need to use this factory for, for this type of thing or learn about factory compliance and all the processes. And uh, I kind of like ingrain myself in, in the culture out there. So, yeah. but still in my heart and in my mind, I was like, yeah, this is all, this is all good. And I quite, you know, I really appreciate this this opportunity to see this in the process but i would love to start you know doing something else um and start getting licenses and start a company doing as you said like prototyping a little bit of manufacturing um and then that can it's self-serving that can help me produce my own product and sell that product under license and then just still working with daniel you know i had these conversations with him where uh you know just just discuss like well i want to do like these like there's this culture of design toys and he wasn't aware of like toy to r or medicom or those, those type of things he'd work he was working like mattel and um oh, yeah okay. the, the really the really the really really big yeah you got it that's it so he, he wasn't privy to this whole culture that had gone and uh, kind of passed through like hong kong and i said to him i, I would love you know this opportunity to find a factory that could make like you know maybe like, like five thousand or three thousand and he's like why would anyone want to do that you know what, what's the point you know you, you, the, you want you want to make like a million units a month. You know, you make your margins aim high. Don't do this small run stuff. And I was like, well, it's not so much about the, you know the, the volume and, and the money um, for me. I you know I'd really love to make some re- really great stuff and you know enjoy that creative process. And he's just like, yeah, you're mad, whatever. <laughs> After the loony bin. <laughs> and then one day uh, we had this meeting at a factory, and this guy rolled in, and uh, he was like a from a prototype shop and um, like an engineer, like a production background. Okay. We started talking and I was like, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm, we just really love toys. I like this and that. And, you know, just going through the motions and then talking about Medicom. And this guy's like, yeah, I really like the Medicom stuff as well. I'm like, oh, so you know about this type of stuff? And he said, yeah, I'm kind of familiar. And he says, I'm a huge Ultraman collector. I keep it all under my bed at home. I, I, my, it drives my wife crazy. So I've got like all this... <laughs> Soft, soft vinyl stuff and Chagokins and like incredible collection that fit under a bed. <laughs> uh, and and this this turned out to be you know my, my future business partner Leo, who from that chance meeting and then meeting again and again was like you know let's let's give this a shot let's let's just start something. And also I forgot to add whilst I was going to Hong Kong, so I I do like two weeks in Hong Kong and then I do like a few days in in, in Japan. So. I was flying back and forth over there and having meetings with like Nintendo and uh, the likes of Capcom and Level 5 and all these companies and also uh, Maya Denki, Cubeworks, Sega Toys, Tomy, Bandai. Damn. So I had this astonishing insight into like procedures and protocols and, you know, the way these people operate. So it was a fantastic incubator for me to, to, to learn and see that, that side of things. Um, and whilst this is going on, you know, we, we were 
manufacturing products for, for people and like you know starts to get some some big jobs in and like you know moving some some volume for like you know mass mass market stuff yeah, yeah. you weren't kidding this is a this is a long story this is the Christmas version <laughs> so it's a, yeah, so it's a long it's a long journey to get to the end so basically yeah we're um so Leo and I just, you know, we thought, let's let's give this a shot. And he introduced me to a friend of his, Chris. Um, and the reason I started Unbox with, with this guy, Chris, who uh, he had a small factory and doing prototyping. And he started, uh, basically, he, he could see that there was the potential in doing the toys. And I wanted to make the toys. And he kind of started working towards that. But then he started uh, making, like, large figure fabrications. And then Leo and I teamed up and we... Um, we uh, started looking for factories. Uh, was very aware of and like in, in awe of like the the process for soft vinyl in Japan. Yeah. Um, and so we had everything else on a plate in, in China. So, you know, they, they had rotor casting and we had injection mold stuff and we had CNC milling and we could do stuff in wood and ceramics and virtually, you know, it, the world's your oyster, you know, it, every process is there. And Leo's background being prototype production, he knew pretty much anyone that, we wanted to, to use to facilitate using those materials. But what was missing was that kind of like soft vinyl technique. Yeah. Um, so we thought, you know, we didn't know anyone that was really doing it. So we knew what materials were being used because again, having that background in like mass production, uh, we, we were kind of friendly with them, like plastics brokers and material suppliers mm-hmm. um, already. So it, it was, it was, you know, for us, it was, it was very easy to source, you know, source the, the right materials right from the get-go. But then it's actually finding the people that would, again, do the short-run production stuff right. and also do it, well, do it well. And so we, we spent some time just kind of shopping around, trying to find the, the right partners. And you'd find one guy, and he was kind of good for it for a little while and then get, you know, He's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to put your job to one side because I've got this order for like 30,000 Peppa Pig figures or 50,000 of this. So I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pull these for you uh, anymore. Or, you know, you get kind of bumped around. And, and then sometimes the, the quality wasn't as good. And I think it was just at this point, or Leo employed a, a young lady um, called uh, Tracy in, in China to help us out. And she was from like an, an engineering production background. So she had a a very keen eye for product development and like high standards. Okay. And she came, she came on board and started to help us like try and find like better partners for, for the process. And it, it, it took some time. And so we at this point, I'm still running like this toy distribution strategy with these guys in Europe. So manufacturing products, buying products in and, and shipping out and trying to get, uh, unbox off the ground and finally um tracy uh found this this guy who was basically working for, for bandai and this is some strange synergy with uh, Corey from from last week and he's uh he was pulling the uh, ultraman figures for for bandai yeah um using the traditional methods and we we met him and um hit it off and he was he was understood our um, our aspirations and and what we required and so that was like the real real turning point for us and again just kind of melded it was like the the, the final part of the jigsaw so then we had like we're privy to like all processes required because i mean we didn't we didn't want to be limited by the the process 
because you know when when you when you pull stuff on it, that there are limitations into the form and 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 the the way you pull it and everything else. We wanted to include if we wanted to, you know, we wanted to go and see the um the injection mold guy and made some parts, say from accessories or you know if you want to make extra details or, or or thin parts or like articulation, we wanted that option. Or if we wanted to make um like some resin parts, then we could do that. If we wanted to mill some stuff in wood and add it to the figure. Mm-hmm. So we, we wanted to have all the options laid out. Um, and uh, that's kind of what we've got now, but it's taken, wow, you know, 15 years. <laughs> 15 years to get there. Um, Basically but, what you're saying is you, you started a new factory essentially, but with an all-star team lineup. Like they know every process of manufacturing that you you would hope to to work in one day that's that's right um i mean like i say up until i've had to write down dates so i've been harassing like all the guys are like when did you start and what what did we do and it's, it's all a blur i, I blame that that jet lag for like three <laughs> years um, yeah i think we basically we, we opened our own facility in partnership with a, a, a prototype an amazing prototype workshop um towards the tail end of last year so we've had like partnerships with people and like some smaller operations but we also got the the talent like the basically the, the guys that can pull the stuff um and the, the, the way we got them is basically look we'll, we'll just we'll pay you more come yeah. and work for us nice and uh, that's what we did and uh and the same with we've got a, a fantastic paint team which is the same thing where from working with with other partners over the years people have just they, they like our our vision and our attention to detail and, and the care we have for the product. So it's not always about the dollar even over there. And they've, they've come on side. So we've got a paint team of about eight people now. And they've got like a QC guys and an engineer. And then Tracy, she's essentially, she's the heart. I mean, she's the one that pulled everyone together and runs the day-to-day for us in, in China. And then Leo kind of oversees it from there. And like we've slowly padded out the office in Hong Kong as well, but when you say offices in Hong Kong, where, do you have offices in both Japan and Hong Kong? Um, we have Josh, who's in Japan at the moment, so he's unboxed Japan again. That's a another fantastic asset. And bizarrely, Josh used to work with me when we was at, at Play Lounge, and I said to him, "Look, you know, unboxes kind of coming together. We do have a lot." of um japanese customers small small and large mm-hmm. there's was, there was enough there financially to to look after him and when i was at that point i was confident enough that things things are running well then you know we spoke and we started unbox unbox japan um and now he's he's there like in in, in, the, in the thick of it he you know, attends the shows breaks bread at licensing meetings like secured like licenses with the likes well thanks to um a, a, another chap called uh, Katsuya, who does the, the vampire figure, Varel, who's been in- incredibly helpful. Okay. He's out there doing what he's doing, and like, yeah, he's the point man for various projects. There's a, a lot of stuff we make that, um, you know, we, we, we don't share who, who we work for. We're kind of under NDA, and that, that's cool. Uh, um, like, as I say, small and large. Okay, so Unbox still produces a lot of stuff for other people that you guys are under non-disclosure agreements for. So what's the balance there? Like how much of the stuff is the independent smaller stuff that we're familiar with versus the really large mass quantity stuff that you're doing for other companies? 
um we used to do a, a lot more again it was always i mean there was a, at a point like i don't know how many years back where as, as you probably know as well that this market was very very shallow and, and very niche and and it was kind of hard to generate a, a good revenue revenue or a, re- a revenue for everyone to sustain or to, to run an office and yep. that's why we kept we kept things so small for for so long so as i say like leo tracy and, and, and myself but as we were doing that, we were doing a lot of uh, like OEM, so manufacturing for, for larger companies. So, and as kind of as the as the scales have kind of um, tipped the other way, as like the small run like toys, like vinyl toys, soft vinyl, as as that um, business interest has kind of escalated, we've had that great opportunity to to scale back the larger mass market productions we, we used to do, and, and to the point now where. We just kept one one client just because they're, they're they're fantastic to work with. So you know we're we're manufacturing for them um, and they have licenses with Microsoft and uh, okay. Blizzard. So yeah, we we do it runs of stuff that's like you know fifty thousand, sixty thousand. But again, thanks to working with Daniel in in Hong Kong, you know we have the the contacts, the factories. I understand what's required for um, you know, audit requirements like compliance. So you're your product, your end product, you know, can be sold in Walmart or, or Target or, you know, Disney will allow you to manufacture there. So I have that that skill set that, I, you know, I can go out and, you know, I, I work work on a project of that nature and, and put it in the right place. It's been yeah, a, a great a great journey to this point. And as I say now, I think since this explosion in Asia products um, and now this, this this gradual resurgence in, in North America as well, I think. And still Europe, still a little bit, but it's, it's always been a bit more fickle over there. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're in a good position and we're, we're evolving. You know, we've got other plans. As I say, with the addition of, of Josh helping us out in Japan and um, uh, Tu, who uh, does Elfie, like he's, he's another in, incredible asset, like such a good guy to have on our side. He's been super helpful as well in Thailand. And we have like, you know, people in Singapore that help out and, yeah, they were very, very lucky. Yeah, it sounds like you're fortunate to be because, like you said, Asia, you know, production and just toys in Asia has just really had a resurgence and explosion in the last five years. Stateside, I think we're definitely improving too and things are getting better. But I think with you developing this team of really strong, knowledgeable, talented craftsmen, you know, of, of, of crafters, that the quality of the toys that you're producing from Unbox is. I think you've just helped raise the quality and craftsmanship of toys in Chinese production in general. And I think that comes from your just overseeing production for so long and also being knowledgeable in uh, Japanese production and all that sort of stuff that a lot of people would probably say that yourself and Instinct Toy and maybe uh, Gums Productions and a couple other companies, like you guys have all helped elevate just the quality and production of toys coming out of China. Thank you. That's a very, very kind to say. I think you know, our our mindset and our, our strategy, you know, for us, we, we don't want to be the, the biggest. We don't want the, the largest turnover, but we just want to make sure our, our output is um, diverse and, and creative and, and, and try to keep that that standard, you know, like or a high standard. I mean, there's been like loads of projects we've mismanaged and, and I reflect upon how we've worked and developed stuff for other people and, and we you know we could have worked better with people and communicated better and you know got, got products to them faster and it, it's been a, a huge learning curve 
to get there. And there's loads of things I would have changed to get to this point, but I'm, I'm grateful that you know I had the support of like you know friends, family, yeah. artists, and and you know clients, clients as well. Yeah, it's been been quite a trip, like I say, to say, to say the least. Yeah, well, and I think you know even what you mentioned to Dan about while you were working to build up the company and pull in different people with different expertise, you were also really trying to keep your options open. I mean, I think it's interesting to hear from you that you liked a lot of what the capabilities were in China minus the soft final type of piece so that you kind of pulled that in so you really could do anything and everything. And I think that's really cool. And also talking about variety too. So, you know, one of the things that when I think about unboxed is, you know, for me, obviously I'm a collector of cute. So when I think unbox, I think Elfie's and Zeke's dinos and Radokim's bread cats. But I think you all definitely cover a variety of toy styles. I mean, it seems like you make something for everyone. Is that important for you all to, instead of having a focus or a niche that you really want to be open to making anything and everything? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a huge, huge Medicom fan and they were always the, the template for us to, you know, aspire to. Um, I just love toys in, in general um, and, and have collected for years and, and bought and sold. You know, my collection has been boom and bust, I, I, you know, for so many periods. Um, but for, yeah, for me, it always comes back to, to Medicom and just seeing that crazy diversity they had. And I, I just like the fact that, you know, I, I Hopefully we're unpredictable. You know, you can never kind of like second guess what is coming mm-hmm. from us next. And I think it's also like there's a lot of our own personal appreciation. So from my side, I'm, I'm very much like the the John Ken Watson fan and Skinner and all those kind of like weird monsters or doing stuff. All those kind of like just weird bits and pieces and like the, the retro bands and uh, uh, Zectron and those guys. So that that's that's my my passion. Um, and then from Leo's side. Even though he loves Ultraman and monsters and all those type of things, um, he's got that eye. He's got that eye for the the, the, the cute and the endearing and, and appealing. And you know, so there's that kind of synergy between us both. And then when Jim joined us, Jim Dreams, um, who does the the chunk figure. So he, he Jim joined us in 2015 and kind of diligently worked away and put up with me and Leo and the the, the madness that is unbox. And then just. I think he just had one, a conversation one day with Leon. He's like, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a crack at, you know, just designing my own, my own toy. And, you know, he said, well, what, you know, why not? You know, what have we got to lose? There's, you know, it's, 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 it's only cash. Let's give it a shot. Um, yeah. And so, you know, he, he came up, you know, he said, I'm going to do this character chunk. And I looked at it, I was like, ah, okay. What's, uh, what's, what's this all about? I don't, I don't really understand it. I don't think this, you know, the sculpt is, kind of cool and it's this different but um it's completely over my head and <laughs> leo leo was like yeah let's you know let's let's do this let's give it a shot and uh it was released and it like really really well received and i think you know speaking to i just never forget having the discussion with um ben from from toycon uk and he's like what's that figure all about i don't understand like you know what, what is it why, why are you releasing this and i was like well you know jim jim, jim. Jim wanted to release it. I don't know. I'm, I don't really understand myself, but Jim wanted to release it. So we, we released it. And uh, like every version that comes out, every colorway that's released, like, you know, it, it sells really well. And now he has a following and he's doing signings at the, the, the stores and going to the shows. Fortunately, he's still clocking in for work. You know, he hasn't got above his station yet. So <laughs> he's still with us. But, you know, he's, he's on that superstar lifestyle, you know. So, um, so yeah. you know, then that's, 
that's kind of what you know it, it's, it's all about you know if I, I really like to give people like an, an opportunity if, they, if they're not known you know I'm, I sway more towards working with the unknowns than the established mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot a lot of the established have have contacts which again is very humbling but um, I, I kind of like to use people that they're either on the periphery or they're they're making stuff at home or they've just got a sketch they've sent in and it's just and we'll, we'll, we'll take that risk oh man you're gonna start getting so many emails now I, 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 you just subscribe 90 percent of the designer toy scene yeah. I, you know, I, I love to see them all and i, I will answer them all but at, at the moment we've got a our schedule is pretty much booked we, we can drop stuff in but we've got about a three-year schedule wow. it's crazy and there's, there's some other major developments and things cut like come up and we just we just take it on and, and but i've learned to now i've had to say no because again i I'd, I'd love to but i it, it's unfair on you if I if I take this and, and sit on this and, and I'm still trying to work through this this list but I'm not trying to add add to the list you know so Dan is that how it works I've always wondered like you know how your relationship works with different artists or companies to pick what's made so I think it's great that you want to work with the quote-unquote underdogs and kind of build them up as more of a, a brand and an artist and whatnot but is that how it typically works that people come to you versus you reaching out to artists? That's a good question. I think at, at this stage now, I mean, I, I look at everything that comes comes through the door. Like say, I am, I am the front line. So, you know, if there's a problem, I am customer services and, you know, like say the, everything else that goes in between. So I, I will see everything and try to respond to everything. But I, I think now it's more of a case of we are reaching out, but also you know, we've been trying to establish like a, a collective of artists that we can work with regularly and, and, and draw upon. So, you know, the, the, the doors or the, the wagons aren't fully circled. You know, we're still like, you know, bringing people in and this and that. And like I say, it's always keen to see bits, but at this, at this stage, you know, the likes of um, Tu and uh, Zichi and young lady Yo-Yo, um, she's, she's coming mm-hmm. on side. We're building them and looking after them and, you know, trying to give that, well, one, give them products, a diverse range of uh range of products for, for, for them to sell and, and build upon as well. So generally changing our strategy, but, um, and the, the races we have, we, we work now like mainly on like a royalty basis as well. So we'll work with the artist, the artist retains the rights to the, okay. to the design. And then we, we pay the royalty from there. Okay. Cause that was another thing I was curious about too, Dan, like, Let's just say I'm an up and coming artist and I want to get some stuff made and I choose to reach out to you in Unbox and say, hey, I got this cool idea. What do you think you want to make it when it comes to the funding of the project? So like I say, hey, help me make this toy. Is that on me as an artist to help pay any upfront costs? Like how does that whole relationship work? So yeah, uh, when when we originally started, yeah, it'd be a case of the artist would fund the project, uh, but we would never take money in advance until the project was done because we just at that point things are so volatile and timings are off so you know that that was not in the position we want to get into like you know leave people hanging but now the way we tend to work again with expansion and the resources there's more um financial obligations so we have to make sure that the factory does make make a profit and, and there's not that much profit in in manufacturing the way we do it um so the way we've kind of structured our business arrangements now is, so you could 
come to me and you say, right, I want this. To, I want to make this project, and we say, well, okay, look, we'll we'll, we'll part fund it with you, and we'll take an allocation of, of your stock, and we'll sell it. So sometimes when you see when, when, on Instagram, we, we've worked with a person, and it says, oh, this person has kindly given us some stock for us to sell mm-hmm. you know, via retail or via our wholesale channels. So you know, we we can as we make that greater margin by taking that project to to retail, um, that you know we can benefit from that. So we bring it in we, we work out a kind of deal of that nature other arrangements you know we will take the the concept and we can develop it do the sculpting be it digital or traditional then we can do the prototyping and the, the, the whole see the whole process through to to fruition um, and then after that you know we basically agree the amount of units that are going to be made the colorways and all of this nature and then then we put the products out and then the artist gets their their royalty and one, one thing related, I guess, to this real quick, and then I'd love to dig more into the creation process, but um, sure. one of our listeners asked, you know, a lot of artists might be looking for pointers. So they, they're debating whether or not they should seek out a vinyl production or not. Um, and he was just curious, you know, do you have any pointers as far as when it might be the right time for an artist to consider production? Like, is there a certain audience size that makes sense or maybe a certain amount of quantity you should expect to be able to sell to break even or does it just kind of vary based on who it is and what it is never try to kind of like put anyone off like trying to realize their aspiration or their their goal and for for many people it's a dream to to develop a toy but i think you just need to make sure you are financially secure before you go into production so don't bet the farm don't get a loan you know make sure you've got money in the bank before proceeding i don't know it's, it's hard so you, you may have like x thousand followers on instagram and everyone may support you and say how much they love the item but that doesn't translate into a, a tangible physical sale right you know i, I follow the toy you know, culture, because I, I love it and I'm a fan. And I, I love seeing what, what people are doing. But you just see every day someone's dropping something, something new and something fresh. And a, a figure could be past itself by date in a matter of weeks, I think. And, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to see anyone get in that position of betting the farm and then ending up with like a, a garage full of full of stock. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, but I think... You know, that people have gone, we've helped them out as well. People have gone the route of Kickstarter again, which I guess gives you a good, a good gauge. And if you have got a, you know, a, a good manufacturer that will deliver on, on your agreed time of delivery, you know, just, I, I mean, there's no, there's no shame in that. And, you know, it's, it's probably maybe like the safest option to take. But yeah, I think there's better ways to take care of your money than putting it into toys. And that sounds really, really brutal. I don't want to put... I, don't I want would to put get the same advice, up. though. <laughs> if yeah, I were someone's yeah, financial yeah. advisor, I would tell them, don't do toys. Right. And, and speaking of people, I would tell them not to do toys, but let's talk about some of our sponsors right now. So for all your designer toy needs, wants, and desires, please visit 3dretro.com and strangecattoys.com. And also, Strange Cat Toys has an app you can download at any one of your favorite app stores. And whether you're shopping online or using the app, be sure to use promo code MARSHAM at checkout, and you will receive 10% off your order. And then for all your daily designer toy news to stay on top of all the latest and greatest, 
Be sure to follow SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. And also, like Strange Cat Toys, The Toy Chronicle also has an app that you can download at any one of your favorite app stores. All right, let's get back to Dan. Teresa? You said that you have a three-year plan set out into the future <laughs> right now, Dan. <laughs> I, is it like how long does it take from initial concept to getting a physical product to sell is it a long period enough that you need to plan that far in advance or are you just trying to really like you just have that long of a wait list uh if we really need to turn it around i, I would say like we could get something you know get a product ready in about four months five months but that's just breaking everyone's backs so you know that, that, that's not good but we you know we can release a, a product and, and maintain that the highest standard that we, we we can achieve but i would say comfortably you know i, I would uh, you know about 10 months is, is is good for us just to make sure everything's right and you know keep the development going and, and again it differs if, if you're working with like um a license then you have that whole process of send the concepts off then back to the prototype and like the sculpting send that off for approvals and there's changes and you know this in itself can can take months when again back to nintendo we, we did a, a line of um uh, legend of zelda figures and the approvals process took uh, i think two and a half years before we could go into production just to get the figures oh, over line which was just how yeah two years just, just before brutal. you could even get to manufacturing Oh, yeah wow. yeah wow it was just yeah just just insane um fortunately you know that that was as bad as it gets um we have licenses in, in place that we've secured so i mean very flattering now that um bigger brands are, are coming to us for for crossover projects um so they're kind of locked in for uh production for next year um and then in between there's our own developing our own ips and brands um, in, in between so you know we just it's just games just trying to, to mix things up so like yeah we, we say we've got this three-year schedule and there'll be other like drop-ins and new stuff and other opportunities that we'll, we'll, we'll throw in as well so that's yeah, kind of how it works yeah okay now you guys don't disclose what your edition sizes are correct it's usually kind of unknown and what Teresa always mentioned when it's unknown that seems to create a uh a little bit of fear of not knowing if you're going to miss out on something or versus whether you kind of, oh, they have a thousand of those. I can wait till next month. So is there a reason why you guys don't specify your edition sizes? Yeah, that's that's all, all down to me, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> I was always 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 of the opinion that the only people that benefit from, uh, you know, states in the production run are the, are the speculators and, and the resellers. So, you know, I just never never really want to disclose them there are artists we work with where they've, they've said to us oh we want you to notify people how many you're making or sometimes you know on, on rare occasions we've done like some numbered editions but mainly the bequest of the, of the artist the uh yeah yeah, yeah. i wondered um, that like because like for two nef uh two who does the elfies like i know he'll publicize the runs but say for the ziki dinos i have no idea so it does seem to vary yeah, and, and to be honest, most production runs, I have no idea either. I've got no clue what's <laughs> going on. There's just there's so much stuff coming out. Uh, I mean, we do our drops on, on the Saturday. More often than not, I don't know fully what is being released that week until 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 Wednesday. I'm like, oh, that's nice. That's a nice colour. I forgot about that thing three years ago. <laughs> 
Oh, right, right, that's it. So we've got the schedule, but like sometimes things just pop up and like, oh, we've had this opportunity or, you know, we, we mixed this this vinyl, so we got that, so we've, we've pulled these. So there are these moments of like spontaneity as well. But um, yeah, I mean, back to the production run size, just declaring it. Yeah, I, if, you, if you want a toy, I've never looked at a toy and thought, I really want that because there's only 10 made ever, you know? And, and that's, again, there's, there's that whole thing for me, like I want it because I love it. And the name Unbox Industries came from, it was like just a bit of a knock. It was just like, take your toys out of the box, just unbox, mm-hmm. put your toy out on the shelf. Now it's become like a whole different, like, you know, it's a cultural movement for kids, like that whole thing of like unboxing videos. But we were, you know, we didn't have that in mind when, you know, we named the company. It was just like a bit of a, you know, I'm a proper, like, you know, like runs, runs through my veins, just like massive, massive toy fan, but never one for, you know, buying it for spe- speculative purposes. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you want people to want the thing and display it proudly. You don't want people to get into the whole detail of rarity and resell and all of that, which is great. I mean, I think there's obviously sure. a slide that's flipping to our scene, but it's great that you as a company are trying to do your best to really just get product in people's hands who will actually want it and enjoy it. That's fantastic. Sure. That's fun. That's how this thing should be. People should just buy what they like, but that's not always the case. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, I know a lot of people, uh, they, they cuss us because of our, our website, because that, you know, there's the car facility, you can't keep the stock in your car. And so there's this mad dash to get, <laughs> you know, get product and everything else. And, all, uh, you know, it is really well noted. You know, there's, there's some great people out there that have filtered back to us what they would like to see changed and what we should do. And we're taking all that on board and we are building a new website now that we're go- going to roll out that should give people a, a fighting chance. Um, oh, wow. Again, is it going to just... save your cart when you add something? Yes. Yes. We've, we've asked oh. med developers last week and, you know, and we're always trying to work out just methods of just, just trying to put off that. I mean, there's some people like who benefit from the speculative market and there's definitely no doubt certain people that buy certain toys because they think they're going to be worth worth money and desirability is, is hugely beneficial to you and i completely understand that but for us it's a case of like just trying to get products into the right hands and using different strategies to to do that so now using our limited resources, started working on like a more wholesale basis and supplying retailers in um, Singapore, Taiwan, and in China. And that's, I think that's kind of not the wind out the sales, the speculative market for our stuff a little bit, because there's not that jump, you know, from those guys to think, oh, hold on a second. If if I buy this now, then there's a good chance it may turn up in a store or at a retailer. So that's kind of, kind of working. Um, and also, you know, we keep stock for, for shows and we have like an emergency list as well. So, you know, if, if you're really, really stuck, you can just message and say, no, is there any chance? And, if, you know, if everything's shipped out and we do have product left, then, you know, maybe there will be one or two left that we can we can send out and okay. you know, help, help people out. Yes, yeah, trying to keep it fair. You know, one thing that I, I personally appreciate, Dan, is, well, I know 
that the Unbox online sales can be nuts right now. Like literally product goes up and you buy within seconds and otherwise you miss out. But I think the the nice thing is that you at least have specific drop times. It's become pretty consistent now that you do Saturday release times, same release time. So people kind of learn to expect and know what's coming and kind of wait to see the posts of what might be going up. As a collector, I really appreciate that because at least it's not, oh, you just threw them up online and you just happen to have, you know, happen to have to see the posts to be able to get online and buy it really quick. At least I can be at my computer ready to try as hard as I can. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I just feel really bad for those people. I guess it's on the West Coast, right? You have to get up like super early. 7 a.m. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. Well, uh, also, if- so. It's, I sleep in on Saturdays, and there's times I've slept past the sale unless I set an alarm. So, <laughs> oh, but hey, it's just, it's- just trying to try to get those times right. We looked at it and I said, well, okay, where is the best, the, you know, the, the best drop time for us that we, you know, can kind of keep everyone happy because it's really late for Japan and it's a little bit late for Hong Kong, and it's kind of okay for me, like you know, because I'm just like I'm three in the afternoon for me, so I've got the I've got the easy part. So again, it's me who launches everything online and then I'm, I'm at the I'm, I'm at the front line getting all the complaints of like why oh, did this not stay in my car and this isn't fair and this and that or I love you you're the best company ever it's like yeah thanks very much so I'm, I'm like just kind of manning manning the ship type of thing and uh trying to keep everyone happy for that it's a very bipolar community we have yeah well yeah, yeah, yeah. you're gonna be happy if you get it and sad if you don't like <laughs> the majority of people that buy are just like really cool. I mean, it's, it's it's just wonderful when people just write and they say, look, you know, I just I'm not actually buying anything off you at the moment because your toys are quite expensive, but we really love what you do and like the diversity of the product and this and that. Or you know, guys write and they say like, wow, Belladonna of sadness. I didn't think anyone would remember that film. We're working with um, uh, Jodorowsky on like the Holy Mountain figures. So it's. That, that that for me is just just important as well. It's kind of connecting with like-minded weirdos like myself. Yeah. That remember remember these things. Old old men that you know never left the house watching VHS for hours on end. Well, that said, you guys are known for making some pretty crazy stuff and some actually pretty complex stuff to produce. Do you have any stories of what what in your mind has been the most difficult and biggest struggle, challenging of a toy that you've produced so far? Wow, that's a that's a good question. I think the one of the most interesting ones. I mean, for me again, was one of the most rewarding was the working with Skinner, and there was a, a figure called called Logo, which is um, it's like this figure that's like kind of comprised of like tentacles and vital organs, and then his his head kind of like peeks up to like he's got a candle on top but he's got this um huge like uh, open chest cavity with like an exposed ribs. It sounds kind of it's not gruesome, but it's just grotesque, and it's like, like the skin is like homage to like H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu. Uh-huh. Um, basically, Skinner sent over the illustration, and uh, there's a, a digital guy called Goran that we've worked with since pretty much our unbox started, and he's just incredible artist and puts up with my madness. Um, and I sent him this illustration. And he's like, all right, okay, I, I can build this. Let's do this. And so did did all the 3D and like start putting all the details in. And it's really, really complicated. 
just one day just looking at us like, oh yeah this is looking good but you know we we need to we need to add textures and he's like okay yeah we'll do some textures so went back to skinner and said skinner yeah we want to put textures in it and like skinner's like yeah knock your stuff out do what you want so skinner like did some sketches of textures and then he sent it back to me and then he's like you do it you you apply the textures okay we put the textures on so we did this and uh usually like a, a digital sculpt is in the the, the hundreds of meg maximum lower gold came in at like two i think just over two gig worth, of, worth of data it's just insane like and uh then we um we i'll never forget it was in in tokyo when um at the time and sent a picture over to leo and he's like what the hell is that i said we're <laughs> gonna make this we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna make this big and he's like there's no way you can't make this look at it what are you talking about you're mad like there's, there's too much going on so we then proceeded to, to to print it using um like there's a, a, a really really good 3D printer um that's an Envision Tech, um, but it's really really expensive to, to output so it costs thousands of dollars. So we printed the prototype. The first one we did broke and it just didn't work, so we had to reprint it, and so that was a nightmare. Then took it to the to the, to the factory. The factory guy was like, "Yeah, you, you can't make this. You know, you can't, you can't make this using using like that that kind of you know the slush Japan style or like you know boil and bake. It's, it's impossible. Look at that chest cavity and all the rest of it." And so we just sat there and was like, "Okay, how are we going to do this? We, we we're going to make it." And we so basically worked out the process. So and, and again, it was drawing it as I said earlier, drawing it in on all those processes that we could use. So they did the the slush. They, Boiled the figure, the, the core of the figure, I think it's in three parts to, no, that's four it's like, parts. It's actually not bad. No, that's it. But then you've got this huge chest cavity, which you, 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 know, you, you can't pull. So that part was made using like a hand cast silicon mold, just like the resin guys at home, but using like a, a very soft polyurethane resin, like phallo-free resin. So then that was applied. And then all the other parts like there's um like eyes and um just all these other little details that were applied that again were all hand cast and so basically it was a four-part traditional soft vinyl pull mixed with a pu rib cage that was hand cast and then 36 individual like hand cast parts some of them no no bigger than a pinhead and then the, the figures were assembled from that which was so again incredibly complicated process, but the figure the figure looked great. And then it, one of the, the lovely things was at, at that point Josh started doing like the the Japan show. So when we we're confident enough in our product, then we started to go and like, exhibit things over there. And you've got the, the the likes of you know people from like Marmot and Bullmark and all these like old guys who were there at the show coming past and picking the low golf up. And they're like, yeah, you can't make that. How did you make that? <laughs> and like, just look at it. And then, you know, Josh explained and they're like, wow. Yeah. You, you guys are just, you're nuts. You're off your heads. Just. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. The... I for some reason thought you were going to say, um, when you guys did that gigantic Paul Kaiju's mock bat, that one looked like crazy to pull. Uh, yeah. That's, uh, again the, the guy pulls him he's like popeye you know just an absolute an absolute monster um but that, i can't remember i could be wrong but I, I was there again for the um the wax stage and i'm sure it was 
but I think it's an 11 kilo wax model. Um, <laughs> wow. So, but again, like the, it was a, a relatively simple process to do it, quite hard to pull it. But again, what was quite interesting after, after doing that project, so many people came to us after saying, like, can you make oh, large scale? like soft vinyl figures um and then you start to see this trend of like other people making that scale which is really cool you know so yeah but okay it's always a challenge definitely does does any of the like applications either of the vinyl material color like multicolor or doing clear rainbow or any of that kind of stuff complicate things or is all that pretty doable these days uh now we have the resources in place. Yeah, that, that's that, you know, it's, it's by the numbers. It's, it's, it's no problem for for us to do. Um, again, we're incredibly lucky to have you know the, the materials to hand, um, and we we basically mix all our own paint, and you know we can we can make our own own colours. Um, no, so no. that's, you know, that's yeah, no no problem at all. Um, we're only just like kind of limited by our own kind of creativity i guess i mean we've i don't know if you've seen we're, we're doing this um this three night e- exhibition uh tour yeah, the um, yeah that's right um but that, that's starting in tokyo and one of the reasons for doing that is we're actually going to debut a, a material that we we haven't seen before um used in in our in our in our world of like toy making, in fact, I don't think I've seen it used, it, it implemented anywhere before. Basically, it's like a, I think it's like a, a relatively new product, but um, it's really, really cool. Um, and we're not going to show it yet. We're going to show it a few days before the event. So that was kind of the reason for for doing this event. Um, so we can people can come for one night and see this this material under under UV and under you know in, in darkness. Um, yeah, it's quite quite exciting. So, oh, cool. Again, so just, you, yeah, you mix your own paint, but you're saying you make your own material as well. Yeah, correct. That's right. That's it. So we're we're looking again because of having that big grown up toy background, like you know, mass mass market products. You know, like always very very aware of like you know the, the standards of safety um, and, and everything else. So we have to make sure that you know everything is as safe as 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 a product you would buy from i was gonna say toys r us as you would have bought from toys r us or or this type of place so we have to make sure you know every everything is is safe um but yeah we're always looking for as again like materials to add to to what we've got so you obviously have your your core like like liquid vinyl and then you know you can just add the ingredients or add the effect um to, to enhance it um, and we're always looking for for those type of products. Um, okay. but I think you know, with the, with the glow show stuff, yeah, it should be should be quite interesting. You guys are getting uh, liquid vinyl because last week we had Corey Science Patrols on. He was talking about it mainly sounded like liquid vinyl was a a Japanese uh, you know production manufacturing sort of thing. But he was mentioning like a lot of the Chinese factories they were having to use a powder mixed with an oil. So what you so you guys are using yeah. a liquid vinyl in China <clears throat> as well. Yeah, I've seen um, for the uh, for the mass market stuff. Um, they used to, I, I, I've not really seen powder, but I've seen like a pellet that they use. And yeah, you have to have the additives and, and the oil. You you kind of mix up, and then you have something which is called a sure test to um, 
work out the the, the hardness or the, or the softness of, of the product. But again, using that different processes. But for the the soft final stuff, we we use we just we use liquid, um, and okay. it kind of again I never forget seeing. I don't know if I've still got the photo. Someone had to post it on Instagram um, when we took delivery of uh, we got, we got some clear. And it looked like a scene from Breaking Bad. There's like a hallway full of like a blue, you know, the same blue, yeah, the big, big barrels, the stuff from like, hey, Heisenberg's in the house, you know? It's just like amazing. So, and then, you know, you look at it and think, okay, right, we can make X thousand from from this. This is like, you know, going to last us. And that's and that's something, again, which I think spun out the, um, the fact that we started working with like, you know, we don't, we don't need you to, to buy our materials, we're going to supply you. We're going to bring this in. We know how much we've got. We know how many figures this uh, this barrel is going to yield. And of course, you, you always have scrappage. So you know you have a rough idea. They may have pilfered some or this or that, but you know that's that's how it kind of we operated for years. And again, there was overall like met with amusement, you know. But now I think a lot, there's a lot more people doing. I, I don't know if they're actually sourcing like we source, but there's, I think people are far more aware of like. You know, the requirement for like a higher standard so they're, you know, they're probably doing the same just just buying from like a you know a, a materials or a plastics broker and then um or buying from source from the, from the manufacturer which which you can do as well okay it's so cool to hear that because i mean we've we're constantly hearing so fubi versus soft vinyl are they the same or are they not and then you know in talking to Corey of science patrol it was you know yes there's japanese made and Chinese made but really it's the same thing but like literally it sounds like you're getting even down to the material the same thing so there's really truly no difference between the soft vinyl you make and this the sofubi being made over in Japan sure it, it really does seem like that gap is closing I think there's a few people if you were to put a blindfold on them and give them a a, a Chinese soft vinyl toy and a, you know a soft vinyl toy coming out of Japan, maybe they can be able to tell a difference. I know some people think they can, but I think the quality's gotten so good out of China. And again, I think this has a lot to do with with yourself and a lot of the other companies that have really stepped up the you know the quality and the game that's going on in in China production. But but I think slowly over time, it's it's, it's just going to get better throughout most of the factories there. Sure. I mean, for me, again, I've, I've collected toys. For forever not that I've got many left now but you know my, my favorite toys were made in Spain and Italy uh you know back in the the 70s and you know and I've, I've never looked at toy and thought I, I I'm not gonna buy this because of its provenance but um you, I think you have to respect the the, the heritage yes and um the, the, the workmanship in in Japan and uh, and the the history that's there that these families have have produced Yep. You know, some incredible, incredible product for for years, and you, you can never take that away. That you know, we've aspired to those techniques, and we've used the same materials. But um, you know, we're we're in China, and and we do what we do, and we make what we make. But again, I wouldn't want us to be labelled as like a, a you know really a, a soft vinyl company, uh, or like a, a monster making company, or a robot making company. We're we're, we're a toy company. Yeah. And we, 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 we make what we love and we, we make it to the best of our abilities. And I think, you know, year upon year, we, we get better. I think now, you know, we, we've got to a point where, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy with the, the results. And now we just we've got a whole other, 
load, load of problems to, to, to sort out, you know, like, like, like the website and, you know, just the, the infrastructure and, and scheduling and getting stuff out on time and, and not, you know, making sure we deliver on time for, for an artist. Um, there's always something to learn, but like I said, we've, we've never, never really, you know, hadn't never borrowed any money. We've just done it on what, what we've had and, and lived hand to mouth and just steadily built it up. And, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a, a Mattel or a, a Funko or, you know, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with being that, but for us, you know, we just want to make sure we can just survive and, and just build and be creative and, and, and you know, just make, make good products and, and give a, another option yeah. to the myriad of like amazing toys that, that are out there. You know, I mean, what, you know, it's incredible at the moment that you can, you know, you can go out and buy a, a Funko pop or, you know, you can go and buy a bear brick or, you know, there's ugly dolls or Octavia doing deadly delivery. So, you know, there's so much diversity out there. It's, you know, it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So the, um, I was also curious too. I mean, all of this is super interesting. And I was going to ask if you consider yourself a soft vinyl toy company or not. And you kind of basically clarified that you don't consider yourself that you kind of do anything and everything, whatever makes sense. But, um, you know, I, I'm curious, do you have any idea how many toys you've made over the years? And do you keep uh, like an archive or history of all of them? And like one of every toy you make or something like that? I I tried I tried when we started um, before Unbox. You know, we, we was making Mario Brothers figures, and that that run was like you know on a good month it was three million units, four million units. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty pretty heavy. You know, so I, I kept a little bit of that stuff when when I was kind of my my apprentice stage. You know, I kept kept some of those bits and pieces, and then when we started working with um like Jeff Lamb, who's just amazing again, like such a lovely guy to work with i've got a lot of those original colorways and some blanks and this and that and then just as the outputs got got crazier now i've I, we, we haven't kept hardly anything and again because if people want it we'll, we'll sell it i think there's there's some photographs of the new office and it's got like a big big wall of like um all of our products and then that's pretty much everything we've got usually i end up with all the stuff that's knackered like old like uh, first shots like test pools that are like Mm-hmm. or um like prototypes or you know, things that you could never really sell that have like a little bit of like history of the the, the, the process um but yeah really we should have kind of logged what we've done I, mean, I just i asked leo um like you know how, how many projects have we done done this year um and it's you know it's, it's in the hundreds already you know i think we're on week week i think it's like week 38 or week 39 and we just you know we've got a good couple of hundred to get through before the the years out. So three or four um, releases every week, it seems. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. much. That's it. I mean, that's you know that that, but that is counting the big, the big licensed stuff as well. I mean, you know, we, we as I say we've we've cut down on the the partnerships, but there, there are there are a lot of different things we, you know we're doing. Okay. Yeah, I was just curious because I mean, for me, I know Unbox really. I think my very first purchase from you all was a Greenie and Elfie set back in August of 2016. So, unless right. um, to my knowledge, there were things I bought that I didn't know unboxes behind. But then I know Gary was like, well, I bought this thing back in 
San Diego in 2011. And I was like, what are you talking about? Was Unbox around? And he sent it to me and said, Unbox. I was like, wait, what? So Unbox has clearly been around in the scene a lot longer than I realized. And I think you've been kind of behind the scenes a bit more. But I now know re- recently you've really come to light and people know who you are and you're spinning out product left and right. So it'd be very interesting to see that timeline, like that history of what all Unbox has been involved in. Sure. I mean, that was before I started talking to, to you both, I was like, oh, my goodness, I I hope I don't forget anyone. You know, the worst thing I'm thinking through a list, oh, my goodness, yeah, we did this for, for this person or there was that that project or, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a bit of a blur. But equally, I think I'm kind of glad we took our time because, you know, we, we definitely had to find our feet before, you know, and now we've got the confidence where, as I say, we can go to Japan and, 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 sell and like you know have a, a, a client base for manufacturing but also like a a really strong like customer fan base you know for not just like say the the, the devil man stuff we've done but like the the zichi dinosaurs and and the elfies and, and those things are really really popular over there which is which is great so yeah i think you know i'm, I'm glad we we just took our time yeah it just was cra- it was crazy. Gary was sending me pictures. I was like, what are you talking about? And I was telling her like, oh, Unbox has been around for a long time. I think in two thousand, it was either ten or eleven. I bought a um, a Pome Fluffy House figure from you guys at uh, San Diego right. Comic Con. Yeah. And, and Teresa's like, no, they've never done anything for Fluffy House. I'm like, no, they have. It was called the Plant Monsters. It was going to be a little line of interchangeable uh, creatures. And, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah, they yeah. were sweet. And then she had no idea that that was you know done by you guys. Jeez, nine, eight, nine, ten, ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah, my goodness. Yeah. So time it, is, time's it, fun. Yeah. So I, I think it's so interesting that I, I think it's great. I mean, it, you make a good point. It sounds like you were really trying to learn and grow and kind of figure out what you wanted to do versus just trying to jump in there and go crazy. So for me, Unbox is, I think, a little bit newer, but it, you've clearly done things right because at this point in time, I think it'd be rare for people to not know who you are and at least own or be aware of at least something that you make because you all cover so, so, so much. You know what's so weird about Unbox, though, too, Teresa, is, you know, they win the Designer Toy Award. And to me, from my perspective, they seem like a big company at this point. And, yeah, you guys have, like, just under 20 employees and stuff. But presence-wise within this toy scene, I feel like I would go to a Designer Con or a Taipei Toy Festival when you guys would have one of those big – prominent booths with the 10 foot figure standing out front kind of what instinct toy is doing now really beautiful presentation and a shelf almost showing the entire archive of what's going on but usually the two times i've seen you guys at conventions it's just it's still kind of like you know just a vinyl banner banner in the background and just the toy sprawled out over over the tabletop it's like you guys don't seem to care to want to go out and present yourselves as a larger company you're still kind of keeping it kind of a small grassroots feel yeah i i i think um i mean, had that discussion with with leah i think in, in china you gotta have a little bit more pomp about you it's kind of expected but for me I, there's nothing better just rocking up to like a six foot table and just mm-hmm. dropping the bag <laughs> getting the banner out getting the double-sided sticky tape out just throwing <laughs> it together and then you know putting, trying to make it like a nice display on the table but that's I don't know. That's that's kind of that epitomizes more of who I am, you know, from like back in the day when I had my comic shop and going to the 
comic conventions getting yes. the long boxes out and just yeah. you know that whole like digging for for stuff that's and also then for me again again i, I mean Insta toys not taking nothing away from like truly impressive what they did at toy con as well like beautifully lit and beautifully presented with you know really like affable stuff like you know great but I, I i like that interaction across the table where you know people can come and can just just chat and relax and hang out and talk about toys talk about records yep. talk about food just come and you know, what, what's been going on today talk about your mum and you know that's I like to talk a lot. You know that now already, but um, <laughs> you know, so, you know that for me, that's 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 the, the best part. I mean, yeah, it's it's good to go home with a, a few bucks or whatever, but just to to meet but meet artists and like looking forward to Decon this year and uh, Retroband's coming along again and hopefully like Zectron's going to be there and there'll be a few other guys that'll be joining us and just seeing them, even though we chat all the time and hopefully like your good selves as well. Just it's nice to have that 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 traffic come through. And the other thing I've really loved with um with Pasadena I hope they have with Anaheim as well. It's just the amount of people from the industry, not our industry, but like the animation industry or special effects or the yeah. arts that come through. And they're like, you know, especially like the guys from Pixar, they're like, yeah, yeah, we've got like unbox toys everywhere, man. Or like this, the, the guys working on like Deadpool, just like, yeah, we've got like a logo and we got this and that. And <laughs> that's awesome. You know, it's just like, it's like, whoa, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really cool. But then equally just speaking to kids as well, what they want, you know, what they, they want, what they unbox and this and that. And that's something we've got very much in mind for the rollout, that three rollout as well. And moving into minifigures and, and, and cheaper stuff is just trying to make, you know, more, more accessible products, which will hope in, hopefully in turn bring you know, new, new people to us. Yeah, well, it, it's interesting because I know that unbox, it does tend to have, I wouldn't say super pricey, but stuff that tends to be, I don't know, 50 to $100 range. So I think it's cool that you're aware of that and trying to find ways for Unbox to tap into the the lower price point. But um, yeah, one of the things you all revealed recently is this awesome blind box series you're working on. Um, so yeah, let's hear more about that. Is this the collective of artists you were mentioning earlier that you're trying to band behind? Um, some of them. I'll, I'll explain that just a, a little bit after. So with the, um, the unboxing and uh, friends project it was just kind of grouping together people that um we, we have a working history with or in the case of um the the we go um like a, a friendship and a, a love of the the character and and the artist what we decided to do was to employ um two who they're the artist who creates green and Alfie to um to reinterpret everyone's characters for, for their approval to give a, a uniformity across the range um, which we think he did to, to great success and again it was it's just as I said we we're very aware of like the, the price point we're at um, and just wanted to make something more accessible there's a kind of double-edged sword it's like accessibility but also now where we have the confidence to um to move into to, to wholesale and have like a, a an infrastructure with, within the office so we can give a good service to, to, to retailers that, that this will be the first product we will reach out. And in fact, retailers have reached to, out to, to us as well already. Um, you know, we, we, will, we will offer out for, for distribution. So yeah, we're, we're quite, quite excited about it. So when it comes to buying Unboxed product today, you know, for those who see stuff and are like, I don't know how to get a hold of this. I mean, 
are the two main channels as of today, Dan, just been either through your online store or eventual attend? Is that that's been the predominant way to buy them, right? You do have the opportunity again as it's more so for if you're an agent. So you can reach out to um, Toy Station or Vintage Vinyl Club. Okay. Um, and there's the guy in Japan, Shinji. Um, I can't remember the name. The, the... Tomenosuke? Thank you. No. Oh, my goodness. There we go. Complete brain <laughs> shutdown. Um, so he, he's taken some exclusives from us uh, and um, Fairy Cookies as well. So there are there are outlets, you know, online. You can, you can track them down. But, yeah, it's... It, now, for, for anyone kind of not familiar or ingrained in like toy culture, I, I guess it's been a bit of a task to to track our stuff down. Like say, attend attend the shows or, or directly from us. Okay. Yeah, it, it it does seem too though that there are opportunities sometimes, or at least it seems to be growing in that way too, Dan, of buying direct from an artist as well. Like for example, I think you have been helping produce new new. Am I saying that right? The uh, larger dinos. I think I know it's Niao. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That's it, yeah. but her, like, so her, her dinos, I think you all produce, and sometimes I see her selling them directly. So is that an artist decision where they might get some product and choose to sell it as well as you all are selling it online or in events, like the artist will sell them as well? Sure. That was the, um, that's one of the arrangements I kind of discussed earlier where Niao uh, financed the project and we kind of like paid in to, to, to get the project going. So and then just took, took a, a small allocation of her stock for us to sell to, to make some, some money back. So it's kind of one of those arrangements. Okay. That makes sense. So thinking back to events again, you know, since that is a big way to purchase some of your product, it seems like you all tend quite a few. Do you, like I said, I assume that's a big part of Unbox is that you all are constantly, I think there's something going on this weekend, super festival in Japan, yep. mm-hmm. I must be in that right. But uh, are you all pretty much doing an event every weekend in some capacity? If it's if it's on, then we will try to attend. Again, there's like um, Jim and, uh, and and Ben in, in the office. Uh, as I said, Jim he does like a lot of graphic design stuff, and again day to day. And Ben's like a paint manager, and uh, but they equally I say all multitasking. They they organize and prepare stock specifically for the events so you know we're, we're doing our manufacturing for, for our retail and for our limited wholesale and for our clients but also manufacturing for each show preparing and like I say like for the glow show at the moment we've been pulling pulling stock or pulling vinyl for i think the last two months just getting stuff ready um so yeah that you know that is part of our strategy getting a nice diverse range ready to to roll out I mean, the shows in China have just kind of evolved into these like huge, huge events, which is just just crazy, like brilliantly organized and very fluid. But then you have this, uh, they're kind of marred by the, again, like this very aggressive, speculative market, which kind of like puts a bit of a dampener on on, on things over there. But, um, you know, yeah, we, we, we attend those and yeah, Josh is at Wonder Festival, Super Festival, Tokyo Comic Con and everything else that fits in between. And then I'll, I'll do um, ToyCon UK, and I, I will be out for for Decon uh, this year. So yeah, we, you know, we, we try and keep as busy as possible with them. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things Gary and I are always wondering and, and discussing and trying to debate is what are the top shows to attend. 
Um, and for us, trying to understand the shows over in Asia is just so hard because there's so many and we just don't have a good sense of which ones are smaller and which ones are bigger. So I'm curious, in your opinion, if you had to pick, like say Gary and I were like, we're going over to somewhere in Asia and we want to go to the best show possible. Which one would you pick for us to try to attend? I would probably say um, Taiwan, just because it's the the longest running and the just the general atmosphere. You know, I, I think there's a, a real shock and awe. I, I haven't been to BTS, but you know, from speaking to people, it's just it's intense and it's really really big. Um, but Taiwan, they've, they've been doing it for years, um, so I would say yeah, Taiwan's probably an interesting one to visit. There's a a, a great story about. Um, I mean, again, thanks to the Taiwan show, how how we started working with with, with Zichi. Leo was there. I think was it like maybe like four years ago or something like that. And it, the massive typhoon, complete disaster. There was absolutely no one to show. So, you know, they were just like, <laughs> you know, just kick kicking the hills or something too. And then Leo was wandering around and he just bumped into Zichi and like Zichi's like, "How you doing?" And they started talking. And there was a, a rapport instantly. With with Zichi and Leo, and then you know Zichi was like, yeah, no, I wanna I wanna make this figure. You know, things are going okay, but you know I, I've done lots of releases and nothing's really kind of really hit for me. You know, I'd like to give this like one one last shot type of thing. And Leo was like, yeah, let's let's do it. And so if it wasn't for you know for, for Taiwan and Typhoon, you know, we we wouldn't have met. And like that that figure in that range, the Monster Little range is just just bananas. Yeah. Just a, a, amazing for Zichi, like how it's been embraced. You know, obviously he's he's in Singapore and the Singapore anniversary they they used like the dinosaur and it was like they'd made a big inflatable and toured it around. And then um he had like an advertising deal with um Canon, like the the camera oh. people and, and they used the dinosaur in this campaign and you nice. know it's like a huge fan base and and that's he's he's building you know building a universe and expanding upon it and they're doing really really well. I mean, like we've we've been approached by a, a company that again we we actually um, we've started our own licensing division and and Zichi's part of the licensing division. You know those guys that came to us and they're talking about that. I mean maybe getting together to do like an animation with him and this and that. So you know it's, it's really so as I say just from that one chance meeting. That's crazy. Like, yeah, Mother Nature bringing people together. Uh, right, right. Don't, so just, yeah, just go where the weather's nice and you, you have a lovely time. That's it. Just <laughs> have a season. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I, I it's yeah, a really good show. I'm so yeah. glad that happened because, good God, how many am I up to? Like seven, eight? I don't even know anymore. I've lost count. And I know I don't even have as near as far as many as other people, but it's definitely been a super popular line. It's crazy that things ended up that you talked and made it happen so it's awesome yeah and that's it could could have happened to a nicer guy as well i mean there's again it's just working in the i say that that the big toy world of like mass market product big licenses and the majority of people just weren't very nice and it's all about the, the the bottom line and profits of this and just getting one over on someone or being like the you know the big fish and that whole culture of like commerce of, of that nature is really aggressive and then, you know, just just taking a step back and getting into this world where everyone's kind of supportive and everyone's looking out for one another and all the artists, and everyone, everyone we've worked with has, has been been great. You know, so yeah, very, very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, um, one other thing I was curious about, we were talking about your more 
grassroots booth style and you kind of just lay stuff out and we were talking about too how you know how can people get a hold of your product and events being a big thing but you know one thing just to pick maybe a little bone but dan sometimes it's so hard to know what your booth is gonna have like (laughs) you know part of our our con prep is to go around and look at exclusives and figure out okay this booth might have this and sort of prioritize and i feel like i always put unbox high but like a bunch of question marks i'm like i don't know what they're gonna have but i know it's gonna be cool i just gotta go there and see i I apologize i'm I'm making a note right now in my my (laughs) notebook like get it get it together let the people know no, I, I was just curious, you know, if, if that's kind of just your style or if you're thinking you'll get a little more official with it and over time start to try to say, hey, you know, at Decon, we're going to have X, Y, Z. But I know it's hard, too, because like Gary said, there are times where you just have some extra stock and you might have just three of this figure or two of that one. And sometimes it's, you just put it out there and kind of say, yeah, we brought a few of this and a few of that. So I just got to keep putting unboxed to the top of my list and just run there and see what happens. Or, he likes to keep it mysterious. And that's why we all line up there first. Yeah. I'm, hey, I'm, it works. I do, I do apologize. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's yeah, more a case of us being more efficient, <laughs> like knowing <laughs> what we actually going to turn up with. Like I say, like, you know, there's, there's some weeks. Yeah. We, we, we pulled this. What do you think? Like, yeah. Okay. Let's, Let's do it. Let's let's sell it. Um, yeah, we're kind of spontaneous some sometimes. Yeah. But I think that the decon selection this year, I could just be making this all up. But I think uh, <laughs> you know we, we've got a maybe less of a range, but more of each product for each day. Um, nice. We I, I think we we should have enough hopefully for someone to go home with what with what they want but again if if there was a way you know the people are very welcome if they, if they say to us like i'm, I'm gonna be a decon and you know I, I, can you bring some more of this or can you hook me up with this and that that's no problem if we, we've got the time we, you know if, if if we can let people know then you know maybe we'll just make enough and bring them along and i don't know i just need to work something out i mean there was a really awkward situation last year i stand where people calling out flippers and this and that mm. is just it was, you know, and, and the guy wasn't a flipper and it's just very, very, you know, I, I don't want to see that at a show. You know, yeah. I just want people to come along and just enjoy it and buy what they want to buy. And then on, on the flip side, you know, they, they were not or the illegitimate flippers. You know, they were there just doing their thing and then putting stuff on eBay straight away. So it's just, I don't know, you know, I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity yeah. to, get, to get what they want. But I mean, you're yeah. you all don't tend to do event exclusives. Not that I've ever seen, right? You just tend to bring either extra stock or just things that you've been making in that particular time of year, right? You don't tend to do like a a decon exclusive or a Taipei Toy Festival exclusive or stuff like that. Sure, I mean, yeah, we we, we kind of like as we did. I think it worked really well at decon last year. So we had figures that were launched or debuted at, um, at Decom, but we also had them online at the same time. Just to, again, try and thwart that that speculator to market. Like, you know, it says, okay, you can buy here, you can buy there at the same time. You know, I, I think we will have a couple of exclusives for, for Decon. Subject one from uh, a license we're working with, hopefully, that just the figure just got approved this week. So the, the, you know, the, the race is on to try and get the figure figure out in time for decon and then there's this one that we, we definitely will have is like a, a smaller really friendly price point exclusive as well um, which would be quite nice yeah cool. like th- 13 bucks maximum i think so that, oh, that'd be nice. quite good 
Yeah. Do you, do you anticipate the, uh, the mini blind box series being available by DesignerCon? Definitely. Oh, nice. Definitely. Yeah. Now, is that... <laughs> I know you talked about it being kind of a, a price point thing, but is it also, do you feel like it's a way for you to either respond or compete with, say, uh, just other blind boxes out there or, say, the Vinyl Artist Gotcha series or Medicom or... Uh, like, is it a competitor type of thing for you as well, or is it really just something that you all be wanting to do, like a blind box series kind of a deal? Pretty much the latter. I mean, I said we've never, never tried to follow, or never, never will follow trends. But basically, like it was, it was Leo's idea, and he said I'd really like to do this, and you know, make, as I say, make a more accessible thing. So we have announced that. But on the um, on the flip side, so you've got Leo's spin on it, which is like the really cool really cute stuff and i've been developing my own blind box series which is uh the the dark side so to speak i'm not going to say much more about it at the moment but that will hopefully be the, the decon as well which oh, will be again wow. between between 10 and 13 dollars but no frills no paint crazy sculptors it's like a an anthology concept all original characters ten dollars a figure type of thing and i've been Again, I won't disclose too much moment, but all of the participating sculptors were, were set a brief and they had a timeline to make the figures. The brief is basically you're not allowed to make them in more than two parts and uh, also like a specific dimension. None of the sculptors have seen one another's work. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, they're all sweating. It's quite interesting. And they're all very <laughs> popular sculptors and well, they've all done them and they've all put them in. And as I say, none of them have seen them and they're all biting their nails to see who's uh, who's the champ so it should be quite quite interesting so i think they'll probably see them at decon as well um oh, cool. so yeah quite excited for that. no that's awesome that sounds really cool looking forward to that i was just gonna say are there any other uh juicy leak related things upcoming projects that you want to disclose on or are allowed to talk about what? that we can all get you, that was pretty juicy Teresa. you're always wanting more it's never satisfied <laughs> we're, we're working i, I don't announced it so over the next year we're working with um, Namco. We're just uh, just finishing up the, um, from the video game Splatterhouse. So we've got a, a range of characters coming out from from that game, which is quite exciting. And then we're working with um, we continue to work with Gona Guy. Uh, we're doing something with a video game company called Grasshopper, which is uh, looking quite good. There's a few other uh, Japanese licenses that Josh is working away at which is really exciting um we're expanding on the fifth of the north star line um which has been very well received and then on the complete flip side we're doing some interesting crossover stuff with um nickelodeon disney and uh sanrio so wow. <laughs> you couldn't get more po- polar polar opposites so that's all the, the some of the licensed stuff that kind of describes where we're going in that direction and then um Again, without giving away too much, we've acquired a brand of quite a famous artist, which we've been developing for the best part of the year with um with um Triclops, who again I completely forgot to say, like I, I probably wouldn't be in the position I am now with Unbox if it wasn't for Rob and Luke and, and James, who's one part of Triclops who helped me with the first figure. They've been, you know, incredibly helpful and instrumental to this this journey, but I'm actually working with them at the moment, we're developing this brand, which we will show in November in one way or form, but we're actually going to try and take that jump and try and cross it over as like a a mass market toy toy brand of sorts. 
and there's some partners in place and we've got a few meetings and, and this and that. So that's really, you know, really interesting. But again, it's just the artist I've known for years and he's an amazing person and he's fully on board and, and working on new content and new concepts. And he's working closely with two who's helping with uh, some of the, the redevelopment and like a refresh and uh, it's a lot of work, but um, yeah, it's really, really, really exciting. So that, that should be good. Hope that'd be well received as well. So yeah. That's quite a, quite a good one. Wow. Well, if anyone ever doubts that Unbox is not busy. So stop sending him DMs, Teresa. Let the guy work. <laughs> it's obviously it, not yeah. true. But yeah, but they, they all work really, really hard. And, you know, we just, just try and get it done. But again, like I say, not without fault. Loads to learn and just appreciate people's patience and interaction and feedback. You know, it's just yeah, we're really lucky. Sounds great. You have a wonderful team to kind of support you all and um, you're obviously doing great things. So, yeah, um, I do have one more random question and I think uh, we'll probably try to wrap this up. But, um, you know, I know one thing for thinking about your online shop and modifications you're going to make. I know one thing that I hear chatter about on the U.S. side is that right now, anytime you buy from Unbox, it has to ship internationally. And so there's a little bit of extra shipping costs there. Um, is there a goal to eventually have some kind of U.S.-based warehouse so that you can ship from here to um, make it a little cheaper for us when we're buying product online? No. See, Dan, she's always wanting more. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a absolutely something we're going to work towards uh, at one point. Again, it's just um, just trying to find the right partner fulfillment so like we've i mean and it's not without having the invitation from you know some of the some of the larger art toy companies out there have approached us year on year like offering to distribute for us which is really cool you know really flattering but again i just i don't want to say yes to these guys then we just can't supply products on time there's nothing worse you know so and i've already kind of putting through some artists through the mill so I can't, you know, I can't do that to a, to a supply, but I think we will work this wholesale model with the retailers that are interested in working with us. And then, you know, we'll see how we can expand it from there. Yeah. No, that's a good point though. The fact that you're expanding more wholesale and you're going to start with the blind box series, but it could grow over time. That might be the way, you know, instead of us constantly buying directly from you, we might start buying from retailers instead. So and I mean, you all are doing awesome. I don't care. I'll spend 20 bucks on to ship product from you all. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for your support. Sincerely appreciate it. Well, it's nice talking to you, Dan. Finally get to meet you. Thank you for having me. I'm sorry. I do ramble a lot. I mean, feel free to edit, 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 <laughs> whatever, <laughs> you know, just like. I definitely appreciate you taking the time, Dan. This has been great to get, uh, you know, a history lesson on Vox and just hear about the ins and outs. So I do appreciate you taking the time to join us today. It's been yeah, great. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being so patient. And just, you know, I, I know you reached out ages and ages ago, but, um, you know, it's a, a real pleasure to, to be, you know, be on and, and uh, talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Worth, worth the wait. So one of the things we do, uh, if you could take a second, Dan, just let people know um, where they can find Unbox, how to get a hold of you all and find your product. Sure. Head to head to Instagram, look for Unbox Industries, um, and then you, you can link from there. Or if you've got any questions you want to know about process, whatever, you know, I, I will, I promise I, I, I reply to every email 
that comes in. And if I do miss you, just email me again. I will definitely get back to you. Like, you know, always happy to you know, impart knowledge or any criticism, any problem, you know, how we can make ourselves better. You know, I really appreciate it. That's generous. Nice of you. Just beware, Dan. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Well, Gary, uh, I'll let you go next. Where can people find you? Okay. I am Gary Ham. You can find me at superham.com or Gary Ham on Instagram. And I am Teresa Hawkins. Uh, if you will want to find me, check me out on Instagram. My uh, username is tmhawk24. Oh, shoot. I'm going to try really hard, Gary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to. But because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.